Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is John Keller from the film Consulting and Promoting Initiative, Felix Motor Society. Now, let's start the show. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast, and you're listening to another fine show from the From Page to Screen Media Empire. Hey guys, this is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. Hi, this is David L.G. Hughes, writer-director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. I love the pace and the fastness, and I love the fact that you just roll with it. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm Jake Amino, the writer-director of Deviation. My name is Nathan Whitehead, and I wrote the music for Beyond Skyline. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, this is Ben Lloyd Holmes from the film The Expedition. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hey, Stuart. Page the screen. Com up in my boundaries. Snitch. Yeah, that's my motorcycle running and tracking over the motherfucking snitch. Genius. With Dom, eating pizza, and pussy. I'm Neil Johnson, I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. The From Page to Screen Newcast. No. Wow. It, wow. Did it ring this time? That's amazing. That is like a bre- breakthrough of technology. Your well, Skype update's working. Well, exactly, in the fact that I've had a Windows update when I switched on my computer as well, you know, oh. things are going good. I hate those, because you go, right, I've got five minutes before the podcast now, so I'll yeah. just switch my computer. Oh, Windows update. And they can you range just sit there. anywhere from five minutes to an hour and a half. Exactly. They are a flipping nuisance. We will be joined soon by Bob, who is currently driving back to his new house, because he is now in his new house. Uh, oh. He spoke to me about half seven, saying he was setting off back up there. So I said, well, drop me a text message when you get there. Because we're starting without you. <laughs> so, there you go. So, how's things? You, you're back from Stoke. I am. I uh, uh, not for, not been here too long, but I am back from Stoke at the moment. So, Whether or not I'll be going back to Stoke this week, is I'm not thing, sure. Isn't it? Yeah. How far is Stoke? Is it like an hour, two hours from you? Or? Two hours. Okay, so it's far enough then. It's probably like from me to Birmingham. Yeah. Give or take, isn't it? So. Yeah. How was the trip back? Traffic-wise, busy, quiet. We, we're kind of lucky when we when we come back from Stoke, say on a Sunday, you get lots of traffic the opposite direction because everybody's going like home from holiday. Yeah. So usually it's quite clear for us. So yeah, we were good. Holiday. There's a word. There, there's a great word. So, <laughs> have you been seeing any of the news about Thomas Cook? Uh, I have. I well. Um, you know, to bring everybody up to speed, the reason I've been in Stoke is my uh, my nan is um, she's ninety seven. She's she's got dementia and she lives in a, in a care home. Um, she's not in a good way at the moment. Um, she's very unresponsive, um, not really eating anymore, not really drinking anymore, and they think the end might be near. So that's why I've been down to Stoke. I've been there since Thursday. Um, so as you sit in in a room um kind of with a loved one laying in a bed there's there's not 
really much you can do. So you obviously you pick up your phone um, if you've got net connection. We've had the radio on, so obviously the radio kicks into news bulletins every now and again. So so actually news wise, I'm I'm, I'm quite on top of things because since Thursday the, I've done nothing more than sit in a room with. Um, Kind of like, like I say, radios with news updates and, and a phone to keep me company. You're not usually... Do you normally pay attention to the news or are you generally... You don't tend to, but obviously if there's something major going on, you'll pay attention to it. I'd like to say I didn't because news is, is generally depressing. <laughs> uh, yep. um, but I do because, you know you have to kind of stay on top with kind of working in social media and everything. You want to stay on top of trends and try and find things out that um, could be useful. Um, So, um, so yeah, um, I do uh, stay on top of the news. Like I say, I'd like not to, because uh, it's full of nasty, horrible things. You never get kind of um, fluffy cat news or something like that. You don't. And I think, John Craven not being on TV is pretty much responsible for that. It's like he, yeah. he, he used to do that. He used to give you... I would rather watch a news thing that was tailored towards kids, I think, than the adult one, because the adult one just annoys me. It's all leaving Europe and scaremongering and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Which is... Uh, yeah, it's not educational at all, really, is it? Not at all, no. Um, it's... Yeah... It's uh, a far cry from tomorrow's world and uh, kind of the good news of technology and, it, and what's to come. And let's you know. just watch the gadget show in tomorrow's world. Let's just stick to those programs. Yeah, you know, in five years' time, we'll all be driving flying cars. Maybe not. Probably were. Well, talk, <laughs> talking about flying and holidays and stuff. At least you've not got a, a holiday with Thomas Cook booked for the October the ninth, which uh, and, and I do. So oh, I, no. Yeah, we've had it booked for a little while, and we're supposed to be um, going out to Tunisia for a week. So who, who knows whether we are or not now? So I've been kind of paying attention to the whole Thomas Cook thing, and especially on Twitter. And if you ever want an education in how nice people can be and how much of uh, arseholes people can be, <laughs> just follow a hashtag. It's it's fifty fifty at the minute. You've got one half who are like. Look, if you've got a, not towards me or whatever, but uh, or if you've got a holiday book, don't worry about it because at least you'll have a job. People are potentially going to wake up tomorrow without a job, so shut your mouth. You'll get all your money back for your holiday. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And then you've got the other half who are like, "Come on, Thomas Cook, I'm going. I want to go to Disney. Why aren't you sorting this out now so I can go to Disney?" <laughs> so it's like it's <laughs> it's evenly split between nice people and idiot people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we've got a holiday booked and. Annette was panicky. She was like, oh, oh God, what's going to happen? I really want to go on holiday. So look, the worst case scenario is you get all your money back. Yeah. She's like, but I might not get it back in time for the holiday. I'm like, but you'll still get your money back and we'll just go somewhere else in the UK. You know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go somewhere else. It's fine. I said, but at least you'll wake up with a job tomorrow. At least you won't have to worry about how to pay mortgage or well, exactly. bills. There are people who are sitting at home tonight panicking, going, oh my God, I, I don't know if I'm going to have a job. That's mm. worse than, am I going to go sit in the beach for a week? And that, that's my logic anyway. So what's your take on it? I'm guessing maybe similar to mine. Yeah, very similar to yours. You know, um, I think that the, the state of play at the moment in the UK is awful. There's so many people kind of lost jobs or in precarious situations where they don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, every week is a blessing for them that they've still got a job because if, you know, as soon as 
um, a newspaper gets wind of one of these big companies, um, you know, it's plastered all over there. And, you know, if you're in that situation, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be horrible. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, very much like you, you know, most people, you know, will be protected. They will get their money back. Um, but, you know, there's the people behind it who, by no fault of them, themselves you know the, the the genuine honest workers who go to de- work day to day i'm not talking about kind of you know because you look at some of these businesses and there's these fat cat directors sitting at the top taking multi-million pound oh, um, kind of payouts every year as the company starts to kind of go into uh, to trouble and they just keep, continue to bleed the the money away from the company but um but the actual workers of the company the day-to-day workers who go and do a hard day's work um you know they're in uh, you know a bad situation, and I feel feel for them because you know I would feel terrible. I'd be devastated if I was in that situation. So yeah, have a have a heart. Think about people exactly. like that. And then you've got, of course, the wonderful newspapers like the Sun, uh, if you can class it as newspaper, who are reporting this story about how uh, tourists were held hostage. <laughs> by, and they were locked in a hotel and if you look into the story I think they were there for like an hour and it was a case of right well we don't want you leaving yet we need to speak to your rep and then people will still retweet this is a problem with social media people will just retweet stuff for hours days without even looking into the story to see how it finished and these people who were supposedly held hostage in this this hotel they were mm-hmm. back home they were back home a few, you know, a few hours after or whatever. But people were still retweeting the fact that they were being held hostage in a hotel. It's like, get a grip. Mm-hmm. It's like with the Facebooks. Who, who died again this week? Somebody else died. I think Gene Wilder died again. Uh, um, it's like, just stop sharing old stories without looking at it. Just, yeah. oh, it does my up. So I unfollowed them. I'm like, right, you're gone. You clearly don't care. So, got rid of it. But talking about doom, gloom, and, and death... Um, I uh, I woke up this morning and heard that um, Aaron Eisenberg had passed away. Yes. Um, he played uh, Nog uh, in Deep Space Nine, um, and that was such a blow. You know, I was devastated. Um, you know, I think we've spoke about social media before, kind of um, connecting you to people that otherwise you wouldn't have any connection to and have no chance of talking to. Um, and I'm, you know, lucky enough to say that. Aaron Eisenberg on on Twitter is somebody that I have um, kind of communicated with online uh, via the social media platform. Um, So, you know, when you've actually, you know, spoken to these people, they've retweeted you, liked you and, you know, commented on things you've written yourself, you know, it hits you even more, you know, Uh, you know, we, you know, for me, daft as it sounds, it, it, it was like kind of, waking up and finding that I'd lost a friend. Yeah, no, I can relate to that. I think I'd not really lost that many people in real life that I know. I say Mm -hmm. real life sort of loosely because actors and stuff are still in real life, but generally like relatives and stuff, I've never really got it. But if I wake up and say like a Chester Bennington from Linkin Park or Mm -hmm. Tony Scott or or Robin Williams or something, if I read that they've passed away, that kind of hits me. I'm like, that's that's as close to a real life grief as I've ever had. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's uh, so no, you do. You have a connection to them. I've still got people on my Twitter thing that I follow, and they follow me. But you know, they died several years ago, and their their Twitter account has has remained inactive because obviously mm-hmm. they're not using it and stuff. But I, you know, I'd still I wouldn't unfollow them because it feels like you're not d- ditching somebody because they died type thing. But yeah, it's yeah, it was very sad to read about Aaron. I was stunned that he was fifty years old. I know he 
did, he's definitely he, he aged really well. You know, he I I would have honestly said, you know, because obviously in Deep Space Nine he played this young character. To me, he was still a young character. He was still like almost just out of his teenage years. Well, DS Nine was what twenty five years ago now. It, yeah, that's insane. Uh, that's nuts that it started like twenty five years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe probably more. Probably like twenty six years ago. I think it was now, but that's crazy. It's um, oh, it yeah. It's you know. Star Trek made time travel possible, and uh, with these people, it feels the same way. You know what I mean? To me, it doesn't feel like they've aged. It does. So. I was talking to somebody at work the other day, and they were like, "Oh, they were celebrating a birthday or something," mm-hmm. and they were like, "Oh, I wonder what." F- I thought I'll just Google and see what films came out when they were born. So, like, what year were you born? And they told me, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Right, you're the same age as Jurassic Park. You're the same age as Mrs. Doubtfire. They're born in '93. <laughs> it's like. And, and and she's my boss at work. I'm like, I've got a boss that's the same age as the first Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's going on? And it's things like, there's people there that you know, weren't around when the first Toy Story was released. You're like, what? I've got a t-shirt next door that's the same age as Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> and it still works as a t-shirt. It still functions. And it, it's like 26 years old. It's, you know, I don't tend to wear it very often. It's a, a true romance uh, Tony Scott t-shirt. But I love mm-hmm. it because I don't know what it's made out of. But it's the only t-shirt that I can wear in whatever heat is possible. And it still cools me down. So I'd, I would love to find out. It's, apparently it's just cotton. But no, there's something about that t-shirt that just... It's, it's a <laughs> magical um, Avengers initiative type t-shirt, I think. Ooh. So, uh, my uh, Mimi campaign has thankfully finished. You've survived it. I've survived. I did quite well out of it as well, I might add. So it what, was, was, um, what was the ending, uh, the total on the, that one then? The end total was 570. Fantastic. And up until four days, I think, before it finished, it was sitting on 185. Mm-hmm. So, basically, the, the, the funds that I needed were around 140 quid for the video card. Okay. Maybe 40, 50 quid for this this prop thing that I need for one of them. Yeah. Probably 140 quid, I think, for the location of the third Mimi one. So I'm like, well, Indiegogo don't let you do any less than 500. So I thought, right, I'll just yeah. I'll make a 500 one. And there'll always be little bits and pieces that pop up. You go, oh, I never knew I needed that, like fake blood or yeah, exactly. uh, an extra cabbage or, or something like that. Yeah, a, a lettuce, I believe it was. I'm not quite sure what it was. A silicon but, finger, uh, a, a silicon finger, possibly. <laughs> and um, so I thought, right, I'll I'll set it 500, and it was sat at 185. And I thought, well, that's kind of that's enough for the video card, and that's the main thing. With the video card, I can start editing the first mm. one, so I'm all right with that. And it, but then I got that whole wonderful, horrible crowdfunding feeling that I get every single time I run a campaign where I'm like, why am I not making a million pounds? Mm-hmm. All these people that I support <laughs> over the years, why are they not flinging money at me in droves? And it's and you know that it's a stupid mentality, but part of you thinks that, uh, you know, I, I help hundreds of people each year. Mm-hmm. Why are hundreds of people not helping me now? I know, if, if only those hundreds of people <laughs> would just donate one pound. Isn't it? And it <laughs> Wait, like, no, we, we've heard this one before, we, right? We've heard this one. And I never <laughs> I never put that sort of tweet out, but it does come into your mind. You're like, hang on a minute, I, I help all these people, and where are they? 
mm-hmm. oh, what? maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Maybe I should just scale back everything I do. Maybe I should just enjoy life a bit. Better. But then you, you beat that into pack, submission. Or yeah, just pack it in and, and sell it to Disney. Yeah, just quit. Um, I, I would sell up to Disney in a heartbeat. So you know, I have to <laughs> st- I'll stop swearing and we'll do a podcast in Shared Universe. Done. Sounds good. <laughs> and be like Star Trek and DS9 and Voyager and all that sort of stuff all together. And uh, so it sat there 185. I thought, well, it's kind of enough for the video card. So I guess I'm, I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. I don't for one second want it to come across as, oh, somebody's only given 185 quid. That sucks. Still kind of cool. But yeah. part of you thinks, brilliant. It's all going to come in now. And um, I got a message. I thought, oh, God, what time is it? Like midnight or one o'clock in the morning? Because I work nights. So whenever I toddle off to the bathroom or go for a drink or whatever, I check my tweets and stuff. Yeah. And uh, the wonderful Philip Ward had sent me a message. He went, oh, I've just put a little gift in your uh, in your Indiegogo for you. So I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, thank you very much. Because it was cool. You know, that's midnight. I'm kind of tired because it's <laughs> second or third shift in. Thank you very much. So I looked at the email and then I went back to Philip. I'm like, um... Firstly, have you done that right? Secondly, uh, are you sure? And he'd put in 315 quid. Wow. In a single donation. So I had no idea what to say to him on that other than uh, thank you. <laughs> are, you sh- <laughs> are you sure? Have you pressed the right button? And so I said, uh, how do you fancy being an executive producer on the third one? He went, oh, sounds good. I'm like, done. So that took me up to the 500. Yeah. And it was it was weird. With that single donation, it had gone from, and nothing to do with targets, it had gone from great i'm 185 I'm still gonna find this other money for this that and the other why is nobody supporting me to <sighs> i'm all right now i'm very happy and it, <laughs> really have, and it didn't really have anything to do with the money it was like Ooh, i've got 500 good now it was just i don't know it was this weird feeling where it was a case of everything's going to be all right now I'm, mm-hmm. I'm i'm quite good and then it crawled up a little bit more and it was it was it was all right but uh very good so uh, the highlight of the whole campaign, other than being able to finish all three films, is mm-hmm. that I I can have the podcast tweet as a pinned tweet now. I'm, I was really Ooh. happy I did it earlier on because I did this my second podcast of the day, and I put the other one online, and it's like I can pin the tweet. It's mm-hmm. great. I can now get back to not you know begging people for money and asking them to chuck <laughs> money at me and this that the other. So it was a really nice feeling. So I'm going to get back to publicising bits and pieces and watching films and just generally chilling out a little bit. The uh, second and third Mimi film still scheduled for November. I've not mm-hmm. heard back from Mimi's mum yet about definitely this date, that date, so I've not booked anything yet. But uh, I have done a near enough total rewrite on the third one. Wow. Which kind of worried somebody because somebody messaged me. I think it was... Uh, um, Velvety on Twitter, she's like, I thought a third one was already written. <laughs> it's like, because she put in for the first campaign. I'm like, no, no, it was. But I've just, I've expanded it, I've polished it, and to me, it's a lot better than it was. It, it kind of, it kind of works as a stage play now, if I'm being honest. Wow. I could see that in my future, maybe. But um, I had to message the actor who I was lining up for the third one. Mm-hmm. and I knew I had to do it for like a week or so but I thought nah might as well get it done now so I said look due to budget reasons and scheduling reasons I'm going to have to take a pass on you being in the third one it does not reflect whatsoever on you it's mm-hmm. just the fact that if I need to do any reshoots I can't afford to bring you back yeah. so therefore you know I'm, I'm 
taking the role myself, pretty much. So it'll be the third one will be me and uh, Lamissa, just sort of going head to head in a single location, having a bit of a battle of wills. And it's looking mm. at the script; it's I've put a new spin of darkness on it, <laughs> and so it's I'm very nervous about like Annette reading it, going. You can't, you can't put that in there. She's twelve, for God's sake. But it's all been cleared. <laughs> it's been cleared by Lemis's mum mm-hmm. because I sent Lemis's mum uh, at Zora a draft maybe a couple of weeks back, and it had other than this like dialogue polish, it had the, this new spin on it. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm sending this to a child's mum. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and then she came back. She's like, Oh my God, I love it. It's amazing. Let's do it. This, that, and the other. I'm like, Great. <laughs> got away with that one so it's currently at 19 pages wow it probably will end up being a bit low i'd love to make it feature length but i don't know if i get away with that mm-hmm. because to take it from 19 pages to about 90 pages <laughs> that's that's kind of bigger but it is but it's but possible not as much probably as you think it is in your head no no not at all because i'm hoping that this third one will be there'll be a lot of improvisation on it Mm-hmm. so I need to sit because that's the way I work better I read the script I will be like oh no what are you doing you killed your parents oh no you know that type of stuff what's <laughs> the matter with you put down that cheese grater there's no cheese graters in it I just made that up but that sort of thing whereas if I'm improvising it I sound more natural yeah like I do now so I'm hoping that Lamissa can do that as well so the 19 page thing will just be a rough bullet point thing but um, well, on each page, page it says improvise, improvise. It's, yeah, it's just, it's just 19 pages of just say stuff, <laughs> just make stuff up. So nobody's seen that script yet. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm quite excited about that. I've got to go through the second one and rewrite that. It sounds really wow. fun and it's really exciting all over again. It is. It just seems like it's never going to happen, but it kind of is. It's been. I think the making of these films is probably as excited if not more than the um than the actual films themselves i think the films mm-hmm. themselves are going to be fine but i've seen the script so many times i don't know whether it's good or not anymore but it's uh, <laughs> the, the whole writing of it and actually putting a film together is a very scary but b uh, entertaining i think because uh, i should have finished them by now mm-hmm. but some of the stuff i shot for the first one had a knock-on effect for the second one and and obviously, then, they always say good things come to those who wait. They, exactly, they do. Yeah, you can't rush these things through. No, no. I, that's one thing that I didn't ever want to do was rush them. Mm-hmm. And I think Bob might be coming in a little bit. If we can work out how to bring him in. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah, th- that was one thing. It's people still ask me, saying, right, when, when, is, when is it coming out? When can I watch the Mimi films? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you can watch them when they're ready. Yeah, but when are they coming out? I have no idea. <laughs> so I think at the minute I've shot the first one. The Indiegogo funds will probably come in in like three weeks to a month or whatever, mm-hmm. give, or, give or take. I will shoot the second and third one in November. And then I will just edit all three of them as if they were all big one thing, mm-hmm. which p- potentially I was chatting to Sean who's been on our show before with his wonderful mm-hmm. movie stories. I love him. And I said, roughly, how long does it take to edit a film? I said, obviously, it changes from film to film. But he said at least like a couple of months. 
Yeah. He said some t- some films will be two years. I'm like, well, this one isn't two years, but I'm thinking on maybe a couple of uh, months editing. And then there's Avatar. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, well, uh, that's my thing. I want to get Mimi out before Avatar. <laughs> and, uh, it's possible. It may yeah. happen. It, it is possible. So you did say all direct all Avatar. I'm yeah. I'm actually doing the next Avatar movie. That is the that is the big <laughs> news that was going to announce. <laughs> So, uh, all good things that come to who wait. Hello, Bob. Hello. Hello from your new house. Indeed, indeed, yes. I so, wouldn't say settled, but in. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a little bit echoey, so I guess you've not, sound... you've not got all your wall art up yet. Not got the wall art up. I'm not running with the headphones on because I'm still playing hide and seek with the removal men. Uh, wow. Sounds like in a cave, Bob. <laughs> it does. What is this house like? You know, are you sure it's not a cave? No, no, no. I, I, I've got a. I'm looking looking out of a window, um, about 30, 40 meters to a real ale pub. So, oh, yeah. So you're. If it is a cave, it's a man cave. So, so basically, you, you're late because you uh, you stopped in there for a few pints and you brought a few vodkas <laughs> home with you as well. I wish. <laughs> and he's playing hide and seek with the removal men, which is definitely the weirdest euphemism I have exactly. ever heard. <laughs> so that's good. So where uh, yeah, money off to that, Bob? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so a quick run up. We've covered Thomas Cook. Uh, we have covered uh, the death of Aaron Eisenberg from Deep Space Nine, and we've chatted a bit about Mimi. So I think we're just covering the Mimi stuff and uh, the the fact that my Indiegogo campaign. Has closed. I'm very happy Yay. with it, and I can actually have something else as a pin tweet now. So, <laughs> excellent. That is quite good. Uh, we haven't covered anything that anybody's watched yet, so that's quite good. And I know Rob's super excited to cover our black and white movies that we love. So oh he's yes, been, he's been chomping at the bit for that one. <laughs> so that's quite good. But also, and Bob doesn't know this, I don't think. But Rob, you went out and bought something. I did. I have, but it's not quite the same as the one I have. What have you been out and bought? I went out and I bought a VR headset. It's a uh, an Oculus Go, so um, it's kind of the uh, the aged, bigger, and better brother to uh, the uh, the Samsung um, VR. Uh, Gear VR, which um, came out with uh, Samsung phones. Um, and uh, Oculus made um, that, but obviously you had to slot your phone um, to make the screen in the front of this headset. Yeah. Um, what Oculus then went on to do is they, they probably thought, well, we're going to make our own here and we don't need a phone to slot in. We're just sticking uh, uh, you know, our own uh, our own glass, our own computer in there and um, make it all uh, you know, uh, a pick-up and, and plane with no uh, added extras. You don't need a computer. You don't need a phone. It's just a, an all-in-one machine. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I bought an Oculus Go. And so, uh, I finally experienced VR. Excellent. You've what? gone into 3D. I have. And I, you never want to go back. It spoils things for you. <laughs> Do you think it does? Because, I, I mean, we're of a similar boat where you said you'd only used it a few times. And I've only mm-hmm. used it a couple of times. Do you think you would happily do everything in VR? I don't think I would because it's still I'm still at the point where it kind of messes with your head because you go, this looks amazing and I can see it becoming addictive so I don't want to mm-hmm. get addicted yet. So I'll do it later. Well, I've I've done three things with uh, with my uh, Oculus Go so far. So the first thing, I booted it up and 
you obviously don't want to wait to install anything so you have a look what's on there already um they've got some of these um kind of uh, a loader screen on on top of um, some youtube vr videos yeah. so um i was kind of flicking through and found this roller coaster video and I thought, yeah, that sounds like a good one to start with. So I stuck on a roller coaster. I sat there in my chair. And <laughs> as the roller coaster started kind of um, slowly kind of going skywards as they do before that kind of fateful drop, I'm thinking, I'm moving. What is going on? <laughs> I, you know, I'm one of these people I hadn't experienced, experienced VR before, so I didn't realize how real it would make you feel i just thought oh it's you know i'm, I'm gonna still know i'm sitting there on a couch and it's not really gonna affect me that much but i felt like i was moving <laughs> so i'm climbing this uh this roller coaster and then obviously it, it kind of drops you doing loop the loops and and all that and it for me somebody who really doesn't like roller coasters i'm thinking this is fantastic i get to experience it but it's safe <laughs> <laughs> it's weird though because it's like you do know that you're sitting on a couch yeah you're perfectly aware that you're sitting in your living room or whichever room you're in sitting on the couch wearing a headset and watching it through your electronic device mm -hmm. but whatever you're watching it still convinces you you're there at exactly the same time you know you're sitting in a living room on a couch it's i remember the first one i used and you'll probably always remember the first time you you did VR. Mine was the Shark Tank one, which Bob had done, <laughs> and I still remember sitting there, knowing I was sitting in the living room in front of my TV, wearing a PlayStation VR mm -hmm. on a couch, and my hands were sweating when the shark was coming at me. It's like <laughs> your brain knows where you are, but your body doesn't. It's yeah. very strange. And uh, how long do you reckon I've had VR for, Bob? Because I think I'd only had it like a week before you first used it. Yeah, it's got to have been. You've got to add it at least about four months now. Right. Four months, I still have not plucked up the courage to test Resident Evil on it. <laughs> and it, it's sitting downstairs. I bought the game, and I, I I can't do it yet. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> it's like, it's even though I know it's a game. Apparently, that is the scariest one ever. It's, it's supposed to be stupidly atmospheric and creepy as shit. Now, just to kind of go a bit further into VR... Um, your PlayStation VR is that the uh, the headset? You, do you have two controllers with that one? I do have the two controllers, but you don't have to use the controllers with them. But I do have. Okay, them. and is it also got external cameras then that map your body position and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a camera that you plug onto the top of the. You sort of put it on top of your television. Yeah, and it tracks where you are. And then obviously yeah. the cables go to the headset and that does a little bit of tracking as well. And the PlayStation moves, which effectively, you've, you've probably seen them, they look like little sticks with a little uh, ball on the top of it. Yeah. They, that also tracks your hand movements and stuff. So well, well you're kind of, kind of that one step above me then on VR because the Oculus Go is very much um, kind of the step-down version. So you, obviously you've got the headset and knows where your head is looking. So you yeah. can look up, left, right, behind you. And you have one controller um and that's it there's no external camera so it doesn't know if you're crouching or if you're standing so you can't play that kind of game so it's it's vr but i suppose it's it's stripped back vr from what you're used to so um the the games and the apps that are available for it are also stripped back so i'm presuming um and i know resident evil isn't available for it 
So, uh, you know, I'm presuming things like Resident Evil will be more spectacular on the PlayStation VR than an Oculus Go. Possibly, but I think, are you at the point now where in a few years' time, if they brought another VR out, you would go VR as a technology is tried and tested? I'm happy to. I think, Bob, you're there, aren't you? You're like, yeah, yep. fine, I'm into it, I'll get one at some point. Well, yeah, the, daft as it sounds, you know, I've had this, this headset for a week. And the the step up from Oculus with this one is called um, the Oculus Quest. Again, it's a standalone headset. You don't need a £2,000 PC, which is great because my PC is not that. <laughs> um, and But it's a much more powerful headset. It's got the you've got the two controllers, you've got the external camera, so it's the next level. So it's the next level from this one, but it's still an all-in-one package, and I think the price on that is about £400. And already, after a week with this one, I'm thinking, I'm keeping my eye out on eBay, and if <laughs> something comes along at the right price... Your pounds. Then yes. Um, because obviously I've looked at the um, the App Store for the Oculus Go, which is the one I've got. I've also looked at the App Store for the o- Oculus Quest, and I've already earmarked games on the o- Oculus Quest that I want that obviously I can't get on the go. Um, but, but yeah, it's so, you know, in a week it's convinced me to kind of keep an eye out and upgrade at some point. Well, I think within maybe three weeks I'd, I'd upgraded my PlayStation from the PlayStation 4 to the PlayStation 4 Pro, <laughs> solely based on VR, to which... I benefited because I sold my PlayStation to Bob, and Bob uh, benefited because he got a nice, perfect PlayStation for a, a you know, a, for a song, for a song. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. So we're, everybody's benefited. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I did the roller coaster thing. I think most people do that kind of stuff when they get it. They see what's on there and they want to play something. Um, moving on from that, I tried um, Disney VR because I wanted. Uh, Addy, my daughter, to have a, have the experience. So I downloaded this Disney VR app. It's got um, various Disney properties on there, and there was a Beauty and the Beast, um, um, the live action movie version um, experience with Lumiere, the candlestick, um, okay. singing um, "Be Our Guest," and and literally you're tucked up um, at a table. Um, yeah. He comes out, he starts singing the song, he's dancing, you know, you get uh, a napkin tied around your neck, which is, you know, obviously in the song. And, um, you know, it's just pure entertainment again, you know, Disney magic in 3D. And that was fantastic as well. Um, I then moved on um, to um, an app called Next VR, which um, it does a lot of sporting um things so there's like kind of nba um playoffs on there for me i wanted to watch um a wwe match um wrestling match in vr which they've got so i I stuck one of those on and i this is where to me it was better than tv and it spoiled tv a bit because um (laughs) as a wrestling fan i'm watching this match in in pure 3d and thinking i'm you know going back to a tv for watching you know, wrestling matches yeah. in the future is going to be tough because they have these cameras, these 360 cameras placed um, in various places. So you've got one on a turnbuckle in the ring. You've got kind of the top of the entrance way, midway down the entrance way, and then somewhere out of the ring. So if the action goes out, it can kind of switch to the, the closest um, kind of camera. And you've got a better seat in VR than anybody sitting or standing at the front of that, um, kind of uh, audience 
um, yep. because at, part, at points you're in the in the ring and you just feel like you can reach out and touch somebody. Um, you know, the experience was amazing, and you know that you know just just made me crave more really. Um, and I know I said I, I'd only done three things. I've lied. There is one more after that. Um, there was um, a an app called Jurassic World Blue where you follow Blue the Raptor. Um, right. And it seems to take place after um, the the, late, the last uh, Jurassic World movie, where you've got the uh, eruption of the volcano on the island, and um, basically it charts Blue's um, kind of escape or or kind of run away from uh, the erupting volcano and kind of what happens on the way. And you you pretty much follow Blue like you were another raptor in his pack, mm. and. Uh, you know, that again is amazing. You know, just when it boots up and you look to the left and right of you, you've got this prehistoric plants growing and you're in the middle of uh, the island. You know, that's something that a TV can't give you. It really can't. No. So, uh, so yeah, I'm convinced on VR and I'm already looking for an upgrade. So you've done a few things, Bob, at my place. What What is the one that springs to mind that's possibly your favourite VR experience? I know you've it's only a bit of a short list that you've done, but... I'm pretty sure you can probably guess. You know, is, it, is, it, is it Skyrim? It could just well be Skyrim, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it was maybe that or it was maybe the basketball thing that you were watching. The basketball was good, but Skyrim, you know, with that, me being a, an adventure game fan, yeah. being able to just immerse in that, you know, it, it's literally, I've played it, I've played it on kind of the normal kind of, you know, consoles, I've played it, on the PC where it's better, you know, there's more kind of, I don't know, you seem to have more control. Yeah. And then the next step up is VR. And it's literally a case of, you know, you are kind of there, you know, when you look around, your character looks around. So you're becoming, you know, the whole thing with the role playing is to become your character. And VR really, really helps that. What do you think, Emily would think of VR, your your daughter. Do you think she would love it, or are you? What do you reckon? I'm not sure because I've not had that much experience of other things, and I know that Emily, in a lot of ways, has a different kind of idea on kind of games-wise than me. You know, kind of her her kind of tastes, if you would tend to go more to things like Minecraft. Now, I know there is a VR Minecraft. Is there? Because that was going to be my next question, if they ever do that. Because I've played Minecraft, and I wasn't massively blown away with it. I could see why everybody loves it, and it's like, do you know what? I wish I loved that game, because that would be amazing. And it's yeah. perfect. And it was Because I remember having the same the conversation with Annette. She's like, I don't see the point. I'm like, because it, it's encouraging kids. It's the virtual Meccano. Yeah, it's the virtual Lego bricks that we yeah. used to have when we were kids. So it's like I think for for kids, if they, you know, in an ideal world, they would have a big box full of Lego bricks and just yeah. actually build things. But in Minecraft, you can build a house. Yeah. You can build a city. You you ain't gonna build a city in your house, really, are you? Plus, uh, it's animated. You know, yes, so like you say, you know, it, it's basically you're building characters. It's almost as if you're using Lego, building characters, and they're coming to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think the whole concept of it is amazing. And oh, I think in, in VR, that would be genius. So I've written yeah. that down, so I've got to go look for that after. Yeah. 
So I did pick a new one up this week, which I've not yet played. And there is a game that's been out a while on the PlayStation 4, which, Bob, you've probably heard of it. I'm not sure if you will have, Rob. It's called No Man's Sky. Yes. I've heard which, of it. Don't know anything about it. I don't know much about it, to be honest, but it, it came out and it was one of these games that was hailed to be amazing, but then it actually came out and it was like, do you know what? It's not that good. And it sort of flopped, kind of. But in the same way they've done with Destiny and The Division, they keep doing updates and they keep updating it and updating and now it's become a good game. And the, the free update that they did within the past couple of weeks is to make the game fully VR. So wow. I thought, so I went into CEX, used up my £27 voucher that they had, bought No Man's Sky for 15 quid, came back, put it in, got the nice version 2, full VR updates. But I've not put the game on yet. But that is, as far <laughs> as I could tell, it's kind of like a Halo game without the massive gun battles. So it's I, very, it sounds very relaxing, I think. A few of the guys at work have played it. I don't know whether they've done it VR or whether it's just like the latest version, if you would, you know, on the, the normal kind of, you know, 2D. Yeah. But um, several of them are, you know, really raving about it. So it, it sounds as though, like you say, the latest gameplay is a lot better than when it first came out. Well, that's good. I was hoping you weren't going to turn around and go, yeah, they hate it. It's like, well, you just spent 15 quid on that. So I uh, yeah, so I've picked that one up. Um, I really need to do the Resident Evil thing because you know, for God's sake, I'm in my forties. For God's sake, why should we freak out about a video game? But to be fair, it took me twenty years to get around to watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I've got a few more years before. Make sure you've been to the toilet before you play. I think so. If not, I'll just go to the toilet while I'm playing it. To be honest, <laughs> and, uh, I, I watched a thing on the YouTube. Which and it's weird. You can watch YouTube on VR. It's quite strange. You can watch like Netflix and stuff on on the VR. I don't know if the Oculus has got the same thing, but it's you can. You've got your Netflix and you've got your Amazon Prime um, apps all on there. Um, So uh, I haven't got around to looking at it, and but I'm sure they're very similar. It's kind of like you're watching Netflix on a cinema screen. It's Mm -hmm. very strange. I know on the, the PS4, it's kind of like that. And I, so I watched this YouTube video and it was like top 10 things you didn't know about VR. One of them was it'll play 3D Blu-rays in 3D, which I didn't know. So I, oh. you tested that, didn't you, with the beginning of Jurassic World? I think I, I did the tech demo for that for you. And it kind of works. You're like, I'm not wearing glasses, but it's kind of immersive. So I then legged it out and bought Avatar on a 3D <laughs> Blu-ray, which I've not yet tested, but I will at some point. Just not enough time to do all these things, but <laughs> and uh, here I'm going to go investigate for Minecraft VR and have a look and see what all the thoughts is about that one. <laughs> so I did my uh, podcast earlier on with Mark Savage, who's best known playing Gripper Stebson in Grange Hill. That was a lot of fun. So I did that at three o'clock this afternoon. So busy mm-hmm. day for you. It was a busy day, but it, it was fun. He was nervous. He actually messaged me saying, I'm nervous. I'm like, why are you nervous? You're, you know, you're on TV. And I've been watching some of the really old episodes of Grange Hill because I've got them all on yeah, uh, like downloaded DVD or whatever. Somebody sold them to me years ago. 29 years worth of Grange Hill I've actually got in a, in a pouch. So I've been watching the 1978 episodes, I believe. And, oh, the world has changed. <laughs> the world has definitely changed. Teachers can no longer smack you around the back of the head nowadays, but in that in those days they did. So it's uh, it's kind of weird watching Grange Hill now, but it is good stuff. 
I'm going to say I remember similar things happening when I was at school. Same here. Yeah, <laughs> so I got the ruler once. I can't remember what I got it for. It's probably something stupid, but yeah, you can't do that anymore. You'd be like, I'm going to take you to court. Just let me phone my lawyer <laughs> on my Android phone. Yeah. So, I, I had the board duster hit me in the head. That was quite good. Oh, I bet it was. Was well, it meant to hit you in the head? Fact, or? I was sat behind a pillar at the time. He managed to put a, a you know, proper curve on that throw. And, uh, well, have you ever seen that James McAvoy film, Wanted, where you can curve bullets? I yes. reckon that was based on your teacher and the board dust. <laughs> I reckon so, <laughs> That's yes. what I reckon. So, a uh, bit of groundbreaking news. Uh, the dice roll decided that we were going to watch a film from the 1001 Movies Before We Die book, and it came up Young Frankenstein. Ooh. Which, uh, it's a black and white film, so it kind of fits into our topic, which is pretty good, but... Uh, Annette hated it. What? She did not make it past half hour. I know. Exactly. I'm like, you, you, within maybe 20 minutes, she went, I don't laugh once. I'm like, but why? And it's like every time they said the, the old woman's name and the horses whinnied, I was killing myself. I was laughing my head off. And she's like, how is that funny? I'm like, because every time they say her name, the horses go, but it's, it, how's that not funny? I don't, and then they did it again and I laughed and she, yeah. no, so it did not pass the half hour rule. She hated it. I went, so, so let me get this right. So far, you've hated young Frankenstein. She went, shit. The princess bride, crap. <laughs> Airplane, shit. And Dr. Strangelove, shit. I'm like, Bob's going to kill you. <laughs> Bob may come around and murder you. What so, can I say? She watches f***ing soaps. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I, young, I was laughing my head off at young Frankenstein. Oh, oh. Frankenstein! And I was like giggling. She's like, how's that funny? I'm like, how's it not? <laughs> it's I, I love the Marty Feldman character. Well, I told her, said, right, those eyes are real. She went, no, they're not. I'm like, no, they, are. they are real. And even, even the eyes didn't make her laugh. Or, you know, I could fix that hump. What hump? I was killing myself laughing. Nothing. <laughs> uh, crickets. Not a giggle. Oh, Zilch. No. So I was, uh, yeah. Sorry, I did, I'm disowning her. <laughs> That's what I thought. It's like, um, no. So that, that was quite, <laughs> quite uh, devastating. <laughs> What's that one? Yeah. To be honest, I think she's still mad because I finished Lego Avengers before her. That so, wouldn't uh, surprise me. I think there's still a, bit, <laughs> still a little bit of sour grapes there. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow I am treating myself to one of the best films of the year, I am sure. And uh, it's Rambo Last Blood. I'm Ooh. so excited. Uh, I can't wait. Annette's not. She's not. She said you can go with Bob. I went, Bob lives like an hour from me now. Oh, I, was, I don't mind going on my own. She went, no, no, I'll go with you as long as I can have a slushy. I'm like, all right. So I will be um, watching. She lasts more than half an hour. Uh, well, if she don't, I'll make. You know, she can have the house keys. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because watching the internet is like it. The film came out in America, and half of them were like, "It's crap. It's terrible. It's, this is not my Rambo." Was one I saw. It's like, really? Come on, give me a break. And then when it seems to have hit the UK, everybody's like, oh my God, this film's amazing. It's great. It's wonderful. So I'm like, I'll go with that one. Yep. So as long as it's mindless chaos, then I'm all right with that. It's fine. It's only an hour and a half. So that's my day tomorrow. Sounds good so to me. I'm not going to ask Bob if he's watched anything because the only thing that Bob <laughs> has watched is cardboard boxes being, lo- or, you know, mostly cardboard boxes, not a microwave, obviously, but they're yeah. being loaded into a van. And then unloaded into your new house. So 
Indeed, uh, what, indeed. What, what happened to your microwave, Bob? We we need to know. Rob needs to know why. <laughs> I do. Why Whatever, you've not got what, microwave? What's happened? Well, the whole thing happened. I suppose part of it is my fault. I, I probably wasn't as far ahead as a, perhaps I should have been, but also uh, part of it was perhaps the fact that the removal firm underspect the size of the van. So they turned up on the day of the move. Um, got all the boxes in there, got and what have you. Uh, I was rapidly kind of putting the rest of what I had to keep out into boxes. Um, then it was a case of, oh, right, we need you to kind of sort your bed out and need you to kind of do this. And I was running around like a bit of an idiot. And in the meantime, they were packing everything else that I'd kind of disconnected and cleared. Mm-hmm. Um, they packed all these into boxes and not marked the boxes, which is good because, like I said, when I came to kind of get the internet installed, it's a case of, right, okay, where's the router? <laughs> <laughs> so, it, like I said, this is why it's now hide-and-seek with the removal men. But uh-huh. um, they basically filled the van that they brought, uh, left the house at approximately half past 11, going up 12 o'clock on the Thursday, the day of the move. I was the, I was left there, thought, right, I'll just do the final tidy up. Went into the kitchen. Despite being reminded four times to take the microwave, it was still there. Oh, no. They'd not emptied one of the cupboards in the um, kitchen, which I'd pointed out to them previously. <laughs> None of the drawers with the cutlery had been emptied. And basically, this went on. There was a few things I ended up... I mean, I've not got a small car, as you know. You've seen my car. Yeah. I had the seats down, and it was literally packed, you know, kind of to the ceiling. Wow. And I couldn't fit the microwave in, so I thought, blow that. There was a few other things that uh, I found have ended up being left there. So... A little miffed. Mm. Yes. But at least, I mean, in this case, if I don't really use a microwave too often, so it's not that big a deal. Well, now you well, can't. That's, that's not the point, though, is <laughs> it? You know. Point, no. <laughs> but I mean, had you paid these uh, removal people beforehand? Yes. Before? Oh. Oops. You've got to pay up, literally settle the whole thing seven days before they even turn up. Oh dear. Did, did you complain going, excuse me, where's my microwave? Yeah. No, no. I would. <laughs> Not yet. I would. I would. I'd, I'd be like, I, say, I, I got here and I'm missing a microwave. Um, all my cutlery, so I can't make myself a cup of tea. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, my uh, my Oculus Rift and PC. Isn't it? I mean, <laughs> that was in the microwave. Yeah. What about, what about your uh, new iPhone 11 that was uh, on top of the microwave? No, no one would believe that. They know that I don't do iPhones. That's true. You can, you know, your Oculus was definitely there, though. I remember yeah. you, you telling me all about it. One of the other things, you know how I like my single malt whiskies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a box of them somewhere. Oh, in your new house or on top of the microwave? In the old house. In my bloody new house. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was literally a case of, uh, you know, all the boxes that had been packed normally were marked with a rough idea of what was in them and what room they were meant to go into. They haven't even followed the what room. Oh, wow. So, like I say, downstairs in what is going to be the dining room, I found several boxes that are marked attic. 
<laughs> that that's just that's just laziness. You know, yeah. we don't want to lug these upstairs so they can stay here and they'll do it. Well, you need to complain, Bob. Come on, our reception room too, which is the dining room. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I think that um, that they found your whiskies. <laughs> they drunk your whiskies, which now explains the fact that there's no microwave there and half your stuff's in the wrong <laughs> That's yeah. what I think. That's the only plausible thing that I think happened. Oh, I should have should have smelled the breath before you left. Yeah, breathalyzer. <laughs> Definitely. And also we know that, Bob, you've never invented time travel in your future because otherwise you would have gone back and got your microwave. Mm. Well, good point, yeah. So this, that's sad. So it's not you that ruled that uh, invents time travel. So. But it's also neither of you two, because I'm sure, being the friends that you are, I you get it. and got my microwave from it. Oh, that's nice, Stuart. I wouldn't. It's, it's more funny for oh, so you. It could, be, it could be Rob then. So Rob might invent time travel. <laughs> and so what would you do, Bob, if you went in the kitchen now and the microwave's there? You'd be well freaked out. <laughs> I would, because I don't think I've left any room to put one in. I, I, I put it on top of the fridge. Or it could be the well, other way. That's going to squash a few things. Sorry, yeah, sorry about that. It, it's definitely <laughs> the other way. He, originally, you had your microwave, but it was more fun for this episode if one of us went back and put your microwave back in the old house. Ah. Yep, done it. There you go. Sorted. <laughs> yeah. In VR. <laughs> Very strange. So, but on the uh, plus side, at least I'm in there, like I say. Um, you yeah. Are. I feel a hell of a lot less stressed. That's because you are a hell of a lot stre- less stressed. <laughs> it was funny. It's like, Rob, I spoke to Bob like, the night before. So it's like 6 o'clock at night, the morning before he's got to be out his his old house mm-hmm. by 10 o'clock. And he's like, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> ooh, ouch. Because <laughs> it wasn't it a night before you that I'll just have a bit of a rest and you fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not quite. But yeah, I think it, it was a couple of nights before that I'd done that. It was. I did last night. God was very productive. Well, it was, but I went for a bit of a nap and then nodded off for several hours. <laughs> like, oh, God. Yeah. But you're in now. It's good. It is. I'm enjoying it. I mean, Emily's been over for the weekend, hence why I was late. You know, I had to drive over, drop her back off, <laughs> drive yep. back here. Yep. Didn't help that there was road closures. So. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it, basically she's loving the house. She loves a new room. So yeah, fantastic. It, it is kind of weird knowing that I can't just walk down and say hi, Bob. How are you? That that is kind of weird. But yeah, yeah. But you know, you've got an open invite. Come over whenever you want. I'm not going to bother. You ain't got a microwave. <laughs> What's the point? I can't, yeah, exactly. You know how how am I going to cook a Russell's burger? I don't need one over here. Do you not? You don't need to. There's a Absolutely fantastic fish and chip shop that we found. Ooh, do but, they have a but, microwave? Is but does it only cost a quid? Yeah, it does. It only a pound. <laughs> well, one fifty. One fifty for one of the double bacon burgers. Because <laughs> they're quite good. Do you go in the chippy with your like microwave lasagna, saying, "Can you cook this, please?" <laughs> in the deep fat fryer. <laughs> yeah, take the plastic lid off, obviously. Otherwise, it goes yeah. weird, wouldn't it? Pierce it a few times before you chuck it in the fat. I wonder if anyone up Scotland has tried that with a lasagna. Somebody probably has. Uh, you know, I'm lasagna. At Fraser Deep probably fried. has. Fraser will uh, I'm, I'm going to chuck it in. I'm going to do a crowdfunding campaign for this short <laughs> film to deep fry a, a, you know, a las- an Iceland lasagna meal. Oh. That could work. And I film it, put it on a YouTube channel, make a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> Only needs uh, five grand. Could, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, we covered crowdfunding, and I still hate it. So, 
I don't blame uh, you. So, Rob, have you watched anything at all? Because oh, we know Bob because um, he doesn't know where his TV that, is either. Uh, it was a, it was a difficult one because um, last uh, last week I had friends over. Yep. So we were doing the touristy things, you know, going out, kind of um, showing North Wales off, um, playing a few board games. We ended up at one point all playing on Minecraft. Um, and, Excellent. And not, yeah, exactly. Not really watching much TV at all. So there was no TV there. And then, like I said, Thursday ended up um, in Stoke, um, kind of sitting next to my nan. Um, so um, there really hasn't been much time to watch anything but i have watched the movie so i'm quite pleased what have you watched <laughs> um i have watched <laughs> it's like and carry on rob <laughs> yeah. um pregnant paul the no, um i'm not saying that one the new disney live action um aladdin oh. okay this is one with will smith it replacing is robin williams which yes. can never be done but I think, actually, when you watch it, I don't know if you've watched it yourselves, no. he's a good alternative to Robin Williams. You, you know, he's... He, Will Smith can be a funny guy. You know, he's got his own kind of charm, his own style, and he brings that into the role. He doesn't try and be Robin Williams by any, you know, stretch. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, and so, you know, if they've got to replace him, then, you know, Will Smith does a, a, a damn good job. Um, it was a, a movie... Uh, a family movie, and we we all enjoyed the movie. You know, Disney movies are family movies. You know, they're one of those things. The new one comes out, you sit down with the family and you watch it. And yeah, um, yeah we we actually purchased it on um, on the Sky Store because we were we wanted to watch something as a family. Um, chose that one, and yeah, we enjoyed it. And it's a musical one, or is it? It is. Got... You've got kind of okay. um, the your favourite songs that um, were in the original movie. Um, but obviously done with the with the new cast, and there's a few new songs in there as well. I remember hearing the casting. Think well, firstly it was like, oh, they're going to remake Aladdin. You're like, why bother? But you, <laughs> you're never going to replace Robin, Robin Williams. But then I heard that Will Smith was going to do it, and I, I similar to you, it's like, well, if you're going to replace him, that's mm-hmm. kind of good casting. Yeah, so. uh, and it's one of those things, you know. I think everybody's got a favorite Disney movie. Um, for me. I always like Beauty and the Beast. So when they announced a live action for that one, I thought, really? And then you started seeing the, the stills coming out for it, and you're like, well, that doesn't look anything like Lumiere, and that doesn't look anything like Cogsworth. And like, what are you playing at, Disney? You know, you're just butchering it. But, um, you know, for the movies that aren't your favourite, say Take Aladdin, you know, I, I'm quite happily sit down and watch that. I thought it was a good movie. Have you watched the live action Beauty and the Beast? I haven't. I've still, you know, I. I don't know if I can bring myself it's to do it. Like really, it's really good. It is. We we went through a phase where we were watching the live action ones because it was coming up as dice rolls and mm-hmm. it was the next franchise at the time. We watched uh, Pete's Dragon, which we didn't, I didn't, we didn't like. We never mm-hmm. finished it. We're like, I don't care. So we bailed out on that one. The Jungle Book, we mm-hmm. weren't a fan of. Uh, oh, there was a Jungle Book. We uh, there was one, and then it was Mowgli, wasn't it? Yeah, Jungle Book was okay. Mm-hmm. It was all right. Cinderella, very good. And Beauty and the Beast was really good. That's my favourite of the Disney live-action ones that I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. It is, real. And I, I love the cartoon one. It's great. I thought they have got the teapot and you know all the clocks and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff down to a T. 
I thought but why did they change great. the look of those characters? You can't tell me they couldn't have come up with the same looking candlestick and clock. Why no. do that to fans of the original? You know, you you butchered those characters for me. Thank you, Disney. They've made them look a little bit different, but they've also made the genie look different and Aladdin. Well, well, that was okay. You were okay with that one. It was a bit different, isn't it? You know, the genie is an actual person, so they had to they had to model it on someone. Um, and they did. They still kept his color. It yeah. wasn't like they they said, right, we're going to have a genie. We'll make him purple or green. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I would give I, it a go, though. Yeah, I, I will give it a go some, it's so, at some point. But I think when when you like some characters, the fact that you went and changed them, you know, when the, there's no good reason. It's like I'm sure that when the remake of The Princess Bride comes out, Bob will be there watching it and he'll embrace. <laughs> he'll go, finally... They are remaking the Princess Bride, which is, is from what I hear, is is a high probability. People at uh, I think it's Sony or whatever, whoever's talking, they are talking about remaking or possibly continuing the Princess Bride. It's in very early stages. Ooh, so, continuation you know, would be good. Well, somebody was talking about that. They were saying that if they're going to remake it, what's the point? Because the Princess Bride. Annette cannot get involved in this conversation whatsoever. It's <laughs> one of the very few perfect movies. Yes. There's very few movies where you go, do you know what? Nothing you could change about that. Stand By Me is another one. Yep. That's a perfect film. There's nothing you go, do you know what? I like that film other than that bit because that just ruins it for me. <laughs> Princess Bride is kind of the same. Everything was perfect about it. So what would you change? Don't know. But there's been talks of maybe getting Fred Savage back, who was the kid who was being read the story by Peter Falk. Maybe he can be reading the story to his kid and maybe do it slightly different because he remembers it slightly different than when it was read to him as a kid. And you go, you know what? That I might be all right with that mm. way of doing things. In the same way, we're not about remaking the Goonies. You go, well, why mm. would they ever remake the Goonies? Well, maybe if the kids that were the kids then are the parents and their kids go off and have an adventure, I'd, I'd be alright with that one. That's the way that that I would accept a remake of the Goonies. So it could be the same with The Princess Bride, maybe. Prince Avigy, busy. Well, uh, hmm, interesting. Uh, what, you know, it, it's one of these things with all these um, remakes, though. Why are we getting remakes in the first place why aren't we getting more original material is it that disney have now thought we you know we're at a level where we can bring these to life without animation you know with with kind of real people with you know help of a load of cgi um you know it, is is that disney's kind of plan you know we started off with cartoons because it was easier and now we'll uh, remake these magical movies now the technology's caught up I think some of it is, and I think the harsh reality, because I'm still reading this book called The Big Picture, which is fascinating. It's just got, and it's how movies have changed over the past uh, 20 years, pretty much. So it's real modern. It mm-hmm. covers Marvel, and now it's just onto the Netflix thing. And I think Disney are doing what they do. People don't watch original films anymore. We've had this conversation. It's like, what yeah. film did you watch? What was the last one you watched at cinema? It was a franchise or a sequel. You know, the last film I watched was It Chapter Two, which is a remake of a book and of a miniseries. The next film I'm going to watch is Tomorrow, which is Rambo: Last Blood, which is a sequel. 
the next film that I'm actually excited about is Joker, which is an adaptation mm-hmm. of a comic book. And the film after that that I'm probably going to watch will be Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. So it's people generally will just go and watch the brand recognition movies. And it, you know, it's a, a shame. Yeah, and a conversation I had the other day um, about reboots. Um, I, like I said, I've spent a lot of time kind of on my phone um, over the last few days because when you're sitting in a care home, um, it's you know that that you know when when there's no interaction with somebody you know you kind of drift off into either listening to some music on the radio or you know having a browse on your phone and um i came across an article um that nbc have um they're going to do kind of a reboot of saved by the bell yes yes so, um if you're you're not a saved by the bell fan you know um then you've you've got no interest in it but if you are um rather than a reboot it does sound like a bit like a a continuation because the uh the information part so far is that uh, california governor zach morris um kind of closes down some underachieving schools and puts um these kind of more impoverished students into some of the high performing schools including bayside high which is obviously the school featured in the original say by the bell um and then um within that story um some of the cast such as um ac slater and jesse spano they're back uh ac slater plays the sports teacher jesse spano's the the counselor so they're bringing back the original cast to kind of play parental roles in in kind of the uh the the new series and we kind of got into the whole reboot um conversation and it was interesting to say that saved by the bell is um gonna be 30 years um old and is it really clever that 30 years later when you've watched these, the, the people who watch the originals have now got kids, but they're excited about the new Saved by the Bell coming back. So then you sit down with your kids and you say, watch this show. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> Instant audience, you know, and, and you know, the adults bringing in kind of the kids as the, as the new audience. Of course. Mm. It's like Toy Story. Yeah. It, it? You know, people who went to see the first Aladdin. People who went to see the first one as mm-hmm. teenagers or whatever, they take their kids to watch the remake. So it's, but uh, it, it's the sad thing where people just don't really go and watch original films anymore. They they watch them at home on Netflix, yeah, or they watch them on you know other streaming platforms like Shudder or, or Amazon Prime or whatever. But yeah. if you're going to spend fifty quid to go out for the night with your significant other or your, your children or whatever, yeah. you want to go and watch something that you're familiar with that you kind of know you're going to enjoy, and that's usually a, a you know cinematic universe movie, a sequel, mm-hmm. a remake, or some sort of property that's based on something that you you're familiar with. Which that's, which kind of brings the point around. Will we see in the future, um, you know, Netflix come out with, say, Birdcage, which did exceptionally well with kind of viewing numbers and people talking about it, you know, yours truly being one of them. You know, will we get to a point where Netflix says, right, Birdcage 2 is coming out, but we're going to release it at cinemas first? No. No? No. This this book that I'm reading goes into this whole Netflix thing, and it, it focuses a lot on Will Smith and Adam Sandler, who were the big names 
that they got at the beginning, they were kind of like the first movie stars that went, we'll do a Netflix thing. Mm-hmm. So Will Smith did Bright, Bright. Yep. and Adam Sandler did all these different comedy things. Mm-hmm. And their their box office takings had waned at Sony, because that's who they were kind of attached to. So they, they went to Sony going, we want to do this film. Sony are like, well, we've looked at the money your last film's made, so no, we're going to take a pass. Netflix went, come here, do it. We will pay you X amount of money. And we don't care how many people watch it. Yeah, we're not because they don't make any money. If they put a new Adam Sandler film on there, or a new Will Smith film, Netflix doesn't make any more money. Yeah, they just want to retain their subscriber base by adding new content. Yeah, and it's like you could watch a, a new film on Netflix. So let's say the new Netflix exclusive drops on the Netflix platform next week, and you watch it and you go, Do you know what? That was that was terrible. That was really that was not very good. You're not going to cancel your Netflix. No, you wait for the next one. But if you watched that at a cinema and you were mad, you'd, you'd go online and be like, "That's I'm not up here at all because I've just spent 50 quid. So Netflix don't care how, much, mm. how many people watching watching mm. whatnot. So they, they are trying to get away from the cinema thing. Yeah. I think what they want to do is become a film studio that is just in your house. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're seeing a lot of this we're bringing these, like The Irishman, the new Scorsese film comes out at the end of the year and it's got Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, Mark Scorsese directed it, it's the biggest film they've ever done and it's a Netflix film. Mm. So that will potentially bag them some Oscars and then they will become a bit more credited. People will start looking at them seriously rather than you're just Netflix, what do we care? I think you'll see cinemas shrinking even more Mm. if that's possible. But it is one of the things then, that's kind of pushing the onus on everyone to have digital lines into the home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Especially when you've got things like 4K. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I suppose as well, this is where the clever apps come in, because we obviously we've, we've already talked about VR today. We've already mentioned the apps for Netflix, Amazon. You put the Netflix app on, and like you say, you're in a cinema. So they've brought yeah. the cinema into your house with VR. Yep. I mean, did you sit and wear the VR headset when I put Die Hard on for you, Bob? I think I yes. tested that. That's weird. You, you know, I was watching a Blu-ray through the PlayStation Pro, and it's As if, if you're you into- are in a, in a cinema watching mm. Die Hard. It's it's crazy. Just without all the negative, without all the people on the phones, or <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. well, it yeah. it transports you somewhere new. It's um, I haven't experienced them yet but when kind of looking on the oculus go for, for things to download i was reading about kind of what apps people recommend and there's apps out there that um, will pull in your own content or will pull in kind of netflix and everything but you are in say a log cabin in the middle of the woods and wow. you look around to the side and there's your window looking out to the, to the beautiful kind of um kind of wilderness and, and forest around you you know you've got a fire going if you kind of turn around and everything but you've got this big screen tv on the on the wall as well that you can watch your content through so they're kind of transporting you into different worlds to watch this which um, could be really freaky if you're watching something like dog soldiers ooh, instead of it yeah. being sunny outside <laughs> dark mm, it's so very I want interesting to get- uh, so if you can find me a film, Rob, where I can let Bob watch it, he can put it on and he can look and he can be in a room that's got a microwave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Be. You're not going to let that lie, are you? No, <laughs> not, not at all. No, it's, it, just just be happy. We're not mentioning Power Rangers. So oh. just, you know, you know Rob, 
We're going to have to get him back on this. <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, can I say, though, um, just, just going back to VR for one more second, the yep. one thing I found is after experiencing my first kind of hit of VR, which was um, the, the roller coaster again, when I took the headset off and came back into the real world, it was weird. It was almost like I'd been transported through some Star Trek transporter into somewhere else. You know, it was like I'm taking off one world and appearing in another. <laughs> but I could plug in myself oh, yeah. in the Matrix. Yeah, kind of. Yep. Mm. I could see in maybe 10, 15 years' time just everybody sitting around wearing VR headsets in the same way that everybody just sits around staring at the mobile phones or buses or yeah. pretty much anywhere you go now. Yeah. So well, just think just when you get to the point where a VR headset is smaller and he's basically just like an enclosed set of glasses. Well, I think you'll go one step further. I think at some point we'll end up with contact lenses and that will be VR or enhanced vision for everyday life. So if you want to know how far it is from here to the beach over there, you know, your, your, um, yeah, it'll show up. It'll tell you, you know, highlight uh, path and everything. Yeah. You know, you think, well, what's the weather going to be like later? Do I need a coat, you know, a coat and it'll <laughs> pop up on your screen. And then you're like, right, well, I'm bored at work today. I'm on my, my lunch break. What should I do? Oh, a bit of VR then. Okay. Off we go. And oh, wow. all through your contact lenses. I don't know if I'd like that. I, I think I would prefer mobs. I'd... You know, know, you're basically going to get it, the mobile phone technology is moving forward. So it's going to end up with, like I say, effectively, uh, you know, everyone sat on the, the bus with an enclosed set of glasses mm-hmm. and it, everyone's streaming whatever they want into them, you know, wherever they're going. Cause it's, and, you know, it'll be 8G or whatever. And everybody missing their stops, like the yeah. heads they are. I was glaring. I was sitting on the on the bus on my last shift in. I think it was whatever night that was, and I was sat there and I had the Rumble new Last Blood soundtrack playing in my. The music's gorgeous, by the way. It was for the previous Rumble, so I'm sitting listening to that on full belt, just going, "Yep, one more shift." And some dickhead was sat. I was sat on the very back of the bus in the middle because there were no other seats left. So somebody was sat maybe one or two rows in front of me at the window and he was vaping oh what and i'm like you stupid so he turned around he looked at me at one point and i just gave him do you know when you can do a look at somebody and it is that evil <laughs> look that that generally you can't do on purpose but sometimes you'll just nail it and you'll be yep. looking at them and they'll you know that they know that you're giving them evils yep. so i'm just staring at this guy going you absolute bellend so then he, he got up and he toddled off and it was his stop and he picked all his 58 shopping bags up and he, he turned around and he looked right down the middle of the bus again, looked at me and I was still giving him that I want to pop your head off sort of you <laughs> idiot because yeah. there was some woman on the other bus, on the other side of the bus coughing her lungs out because, you know, that's what happens when some yeah. dickhead vapes. Mm-hmm. And he was still looking at me and I thought, I ain't backing down. I'm still going to evil you, you little rat. And then he got off the bus and he walked down the left-hand side and I could see him looking at me and my <laughs> eyes were just tracking him and I was still giving him that evil and I like to think that he went home going why was he staring at me <laughs> what was all that about what did I do is he crazy but he sat there and the driver didn't do anything he just carried on because it's probably not in his pay grade is it to confront some idiot on a bus but yep full blown vaping on a bus I have to say I did have an angry moment with, uh, with a vapor not too long ago about a week ago um, I was popping to Asda um, in town and uh, me, my wife and my little one and some guy walked out of Asda, t- 
took his vaping pipe or whatever you want to call it out, started puffing on it and blew this huge cloud of smoke right in our faces and especially, you know, my daughter. And in my head, almost VR style, I could see myself grabbing him by a throat and pinning him up against the wall. And shoving the vape where it's sun don't shine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's like, you know, vaping is a substitute for smoking. Mm -hmm. I get it. And if it's helping somebody stop smoke, so be it, it's fine. But they should follow the rules of smoking. Exactly. With vaping. So wherever you're not allowed to smoke, you're not allowed to vape. It yep. was like, you know, I've been in somebody's house before now and they were vaping. It's like, oi, no, somebody else's house and somebody else was there vaping. I'm like, uh, outside. Don't do it. Mm. Follow the rules. If it's a substitute for smoking, treat it like it was smoking. Yeah. Get yep. out. But, uh, yeah. It's this guy was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I was listening to exactly the right music. So I'm like, go on, but he didn't say anything. So um, I'd, I'd have punched him so far back, he would have gone into the world of black and white movies. And talking about black and white movies, <laughs> do you think that was a good segue? It was. That was that wasn't bad. So that was quite that was all right. So Rob, mm. you you were struggling a little bit originally with this topic. Yes. Why? Because this is this is part that fascinates me more is is why you you were struggling at thinking of black and white movies that you love. Because Genuinely. I I was an eighties kid, so I was born into bright, colourful, way out there stuff. Mm-hmm. But they like were me. still showing the black and whites. They they it's were still, and they and are I'm still sure making it, black and white. And I'm sure at the age of five, you know, I could have toddled along to the local cinema and watched one of them. What uh, what what year were you born, Rob? 81. 71. Right. So there you go. <laughs> That's the end of the argument. <laughs> so you were born 10 years after me. And uh, yeah, no, I can see where you're coming from, sort of, but you're still wrong. Um, so you know, you, I, I grew up with gremlins and that kind of stuff, you know. I did. Yeah. And yeah, and, and if it was, you know, if gremlins was in black and white, I would have watched it. But it wasn't. I, it was in I, beautiful colour. I probably reckon I was born in '71. I was probably twelve, maybe, before I saw a black and white movie. I can't remember which one it was, but it would have been on TV because it wasn't. There were no black and white films being shown at cinema between '71 and and Schindler's List. <laughs> and so yeah, it would be. It definitely would have been on TV. But had you not seen? I mean, we'll get on to which ones are your your choices and stuff, but. So is that pretty much what it is? Because you w- did you avoid black and white movies? If you if it you was, put the TV on, it was black and white. You're like, I'm not interested in this. Black yeah, and white. it was one of those things. As growing up as a kid, you know, when you you were watching, you know, everything in color. You know, I was privileged enough to uh, to live in that era, be born in that era. Um, you know, if something black and white came on, you know, as you know, uh, uh, a kind of a young person who didn't know better, you just kind of label that as boring and old. And you kind of move on. Um, and, you know, and as things go on, these, you know, the, the black and white films become kind of rarer, you know, more of a rarity. Like like you say, you know, I watch everything now on streaming services. I've got Netflix, yeah. Amazon Prime, now TV. I went on to Netflix thinking, you know, on this homework topic, right, Where do, where's the black and white section? I couldn't find one. That is a good point, actually. So... Mm. You know, I was I was willing to actually sit and watch something and think, you know, let's give this a try. It's something I've never done. Let's, <laughs> something. Like, let's give this black and white yeah. film lark a go. And 
And I, I searched and I couldn't find anything. So I thought, you know what? I'm not doing it. Simple as that. I'm fine. Oh, God, that's my line of the night. I love it. Yep. And oh. yeah, that's where I'm coming from. Oh, God, I need to calm down now. <laughs> oh. So, so um, yeah. Oh, God. I can't wait to tell Annette that one later. Uh, genuinely, that's not even laughing at you, Rob. That's laughing with you. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. But that's a good point about Netflix, though, is I think you could probably go in there and maybe find the artist. Yeah. Maybe. You know, some of the modern black and white ones. Yeah. But why don't they have a classic section? Yeah, exactly. That's very good. I think Shadow does for, for the horror films, but that's... And I, think Amazon has quite a few black and white films, but I don't know if they've got a black and white section. Yeah, and you could probably find it on on Amazon online, um, yep. but their their app on kind of the set-top boxes is pretty poor, you know, unless you, it's one of the popular ones recommended to you, you know, you don't have much, fa- much luck finding things. I'm trying not to replay online over in my head. Oh, let's give it a go. <laughs> right. Uh, so what was the... Can, can you remember what the first black and white film you would have seen was? No. Last last week. Have you not managed to find one? I haven't found one. <laughs> so, oh, if somebody, so if somebody wants to actually, you know, tweet oh. me and let me know where, you know, recommend a film in black and white that's on Netflix. Yeah, I'm going to look later on because it's, uh, that is a very good point. So, you know... If, for your funny phrase aside, and like you said, if, if you like know Netflix one, if you know what they're called, you might be able to find one. But I don't. Yeah. That's the thing. I've got no idea. Okay. So, uh, so, so at the minute, you don't have a top five. I don't. What I okay. do have, because obviously, I said I'm doing something different. I've got a top five of black and white films I want to see. Oh, okay. I quite like that because then Bob and I can be the judge on. You know which ones are good. Yeah. So that's what I've got. I've brought something different to the table. I did something. <laughs> I just want this podcast to finish so I can run downstairs and go. Guess what? Guess what? Put that. Put Coronation Street on pause. Guess what Rob said. Right. So how how do we want to do this? Because Bob, you've got your list. He, he's lost his list. I think he left it on his microwave <laughs> or in his said, microwave or with his whiskey. <laughs> With his whiskey in his microwave. So somewhere, some removal man is cooking microwave lasagna, <laughs> drinking whiskey and going, what's this film then? <laughs> Can't find that on this. Oh, so, so it's a list of films to watch. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah, how should we do it, Bob? Should we go through ours first or should we let Rob go through the ones that he wants to watch? I'm, I think we go with Rob first. Brilliant. Yep. So what have you got on there, Rob? And we shall see whether we've seen... Cause, so we've either seen Yeah, it, obviously, the, there, there could be things on here that you haven't seen. Um, yeah. You will notice the theme in my list. They're obviously going to be science fiction related because, you know, why bother with anything else, especially when yeah, it's black but, and white? Uh, <laughs> in, in Rob's world, there is no... No, that, no uh, Isn't there a that, Star Trek episode in black and white, though? Wasn't it original pilot in black and white? Or was that just, um, did I just... Think well, that, make that up. Y- you had sections of Star Trek that you've you've seen black and white in. Um, you've right. got kind of Picard going into the holodeck, being Dixon Hill. I think that was yes. possibly black and white. So um, so yeah, you've got you've got black and white elements in Star Trek. But it wasn't uh, like the original pilot episode with Pike or whatever. Was that always in color? Um, possibly not. Actually, it might have originally been in uh, in black and white. Good I question. Think I think it might have been. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, what have you got? Uh, Oh, number one on my list, H.G. Wells' is War of the Worlds. 
good film. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually in color, by the way. Is it? Yes. Because I've seen that one. That's not the obviously not the Tom Cruise one. The nineteen fifty three version. Yes, that one is in color. I the internet lied to me. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll scratch that one off. And like, then. Unless they did colorize it, but no, I've seen that many, many times on TV and DVD and stuff like that, and that was always color because it has like the green uh, laser beams coming out. So yeah. The internet lies. Who who knew? Did you know that, Bob? The internet lies now and again. Ah, I can't believe it. Very hard to believe. Oh, me too. <laughs> so, so my list is rubbish. No, no, uh, no, no. Right, the next one on my list is Forbidden Planet. Yes, that is good. I would give that a definite thumbs up. Yeah, fantastic. For We're off one. to that a start. That's not on my film. list because I kind of guessed someone else would have it. Yes, mm-hmm. Robbie the Robot, Leslie Nielsen in there. Yeah, so exactly. Great. I'm familiar with with Forbidden Planet. You know, I own my own Robbie the Robot from uh, that's been used as sci-fi whales in the past. So, um, yes. you know, but I would like to see the original film. Um, it's very good. It is. It scares the living daylights out of you if you watch it late at night. Oh, that, that that's definitely one for VR then. <laughs> VR in a cinema screen in black and white. Go for it. Uh, right, the second black and white film then on my list is The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yes. Very, okay. Another good one. Very good. Yep. Uh, the third one, Metropolis. I've never yep. seen that. Never watched it. Is that a good one, Bob? Definitely. It's, it's... 1927 Metropolis. Mm. It is one of those ones that... If it isn't in the, the book of a thousand and one to watch before you snuff it, it should be. Yep. Yeah, I think it is in there, but I've never seen it either. And then the last one on my list, and I'm sure this is the one where, you know, um, animated with um, little plastic toys, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the new one that came out, is it? I don't think. No, you know, this is I, I've heard the old it's ones. just as good as Power Rangers. Oh, there you go. Yeah, probably, it probably is just as good as Power Rangers, to be honest. Okay, good, good choices, but I definitely Day There Stood Still, uh, Forbidden Planet would be the main ones mm-hmm. on that, where I'm like, you've definitely got to watch that. So what are yours so, then? Mine are, I have got uh, six on Ooh. mine. Ooh. I have got, because it was a late edition that ah. I watched probably two weeks ago, because I have this Blu-ray box set that yeah. somebody got me and it's got like 10 films of a, a similar genre in it and I thought you know what I've never seen that one before so I watched that one but yeah. that is at 1931's The Invisible Man Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. which is one of the old universal monster movies so you had Dracula The mm-hmm. Mummy uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon The Wolfman yeah. uh, and Invisible Man and, and all these sort of stuff in there and I'd seen Dracula and Frankenstein is in there and Bride of Frankenstein and stuff. So all of those. And I thought, I'll just, I'll watch Invisible Man. That still blows my mind today because it's like, this film was made in 1931. How the hell did they do these effects in 1931? And it's, I still can't work it out. I don't know. It's very, very clever. Because so, you can generally watch a film and go, yeah, I can work it out. They did that. I cannot work out how they did this film in 1931. Stupidly clever, but it's a very good film anyway. It's a you know, guy who goes a bit crazy, becomes an invisible man, runs off, starts terrorising people. He ends up getting chased around the, the, the town. Burn him, burn him, you know, that type of universal mm, monster yeah. sort of pitch. But it's very clever, and I love it. So, yeah, as I watched that maybe two weeks back, and it just very quickly jumped onto my list. 
the ones that I originally had on there is first ones from 1957, 12 Angry Men. Yep. Which, as far as I know, is a black and white one. It's all set in a, in a room. It's a jury that have, they're, they're dealing with this murder case and it's just guys round a desk just go, well, I, I think he's guilty. Why? And by the end of it, there's a whole plot shift. Mm. Very clever film. Very good cast. Uh, Bob, you've seen 12 Angry Men? Uh, I haven't, actually. You've Oh, God, you both need to put that on your list. It's very clever. It's a very good film. A lot of talking in it, obviously, because it's just people stuck in a room, but very, very good. I'm actually logging uh, all these movies because uh, I'm adding them, adding them to a list and uh, maybe uh, I will uh, take back my words. Some of them, I, I've been where you've been, Rob. Mm-hmm. I was the same with subtitled films as well. At some point, I'll be doing top five subtitled movies, but I used to go... Oh, that looks really good. Oh, subtitled. Mm-hmm. Not going to bother. Did it for many, many years, and then I saw a couple of John Woo movies, like The Killer and Hard Boiled. Like, Do you know what? That was a really good movie, and they were subtitled. So therefore, maybe there are other good subtitled movies. Mm-hmm. I will give them a chance. And I've, So I've been there with the black and white films. But you know, <laughs> why would I bother? It's not, it's not in colour. I'll watch a colour film. It's obviously better. And then the older you get, you go, you know what? I really didn't know what I was talking about then. Yep. A lot of black and white films, because of the time they were made, there was no stupidly large budgets. It was all about the acting. It was all about the storyline. Yep. And that's what every film should be about. Mm-hmm. So they, there are some amazing classic films, you know, pre-70s, pre-60s, that just so happened to be in black and white. Yep. Uh, one that I'm going to talk about is from 1960, and it is Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Yep. <laughs> You've never seen that, Rob? I haven't. Wow. That blows my mind. You've got so many treats. Like, <laughs> I mean, you watch Psycho and it's black and white, but you kind of forget it's black and white. Oh, yes. And with Psycho, I think it's in 1999, there's a film director called Gus Van Sant. He decided, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a shot for shot remake of Psycho in color. Starring Vince Vaughn. Now Vince Vaughn, good actor. He knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. He, he's, you know, he's not terrible. But you watch the color version of Psycho, crap. It's universally panned. Mm-hmm. But the original one, people love it. Yeah. So there's something that black and white. There's a certain type of film that benefits from black and white. But to be honest, I think most of them do. Horrors are creepier in black and white. Mm. Comedies are probably the same. But uh, in you know fantasy films, I think would probably be better in color and whatnot. But uh, thrillers, I think, are black and white. There's a lot of film noir, as they call them. The old you know the original Scarface and yep. all the old gangster movies of the 30s. They're better in black and white. But no, Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, the next one is the original version of Cape Fear. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen the color one, Rob. I think you talked about it semi recently. I think mm-hmm. with Robert Robert De Niro and whatnot. The original one, black and white. Uh, Robert Mitchum played the Robert De Niro guy, you know, the character. Uh, I think yeah. Gregory Peck played the the dad, so he he was then recast as Nick Nolte in the new one. The original Cape Fear I prefer ah. to the colour one. I still think Robert De Niro's performance is better than Robert Mitchum's, but, <laughs> but the Cape Fear is amazing. Uh, the other one I've got, which I'll be surprised if either of you have watched, and I can't even remember, there's also a subtitled one, it's called Bicycle Thieves. Heard of it? I've not watched it. And it's it's a wonderful film. It's just about this guy who somebody nicks his bike. That's it. (laughs) But it's and he wants he needs his bike back because 
because he needs it to get to work and stuff. And that's that's it's a very simple plot, but it's there's something magical about that film. And my final all-time favorite black and white movie, 1968, Night of the Living Dead. Uh. Amazing. It's the horror film that is creepier because it's in black and white. I have seen the remake starring Tony Todd, and it is very, very good. But there is something very special about a 1968, the, the birth of the zombie mm-hmm. uh, the, and the modern horror era with that one. So that's my favorite one, Night of the Living Dead. Very good. Excellent. So, Bob? Right. Well, I've got a few. <laughs> if you didn't, I, I'll, I'll bring it down to six then. Just, just to equate, yeah, with you. So we'll start off. Um, I mean, basically, when I was a kid, my dad introduced me to a lot of the old uh, black and white. You know, the Laurel and Hardys, the Buster Keatons, and all this. Um, so I was kind of introduced. I found found them boring at the time, as you do as a kid. But I've come to appreciate them more as I get older. Yeah, um, and one of the ones that I think is absolutely fantastic is um, one of the ones of Charlie Chaplin, which is The Great Dictator. I wrote that on my list of films I wanted to watch because yeah. I've never seen it, and it's the only Charlie Chaplin talky one, isn't it? It is, yeah, and he does yeah. the wonderful. I mean, you, you'll have seen the clip where he mm. basically, you know, does the kind of "I don't want to be a dictator" as such, you know, goes on. So yeah, that is definitely worth a watch. Okay. Um, another one going back, like I say, many, 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 many years. I couldn't tell you. I'll let you look it up. Um, there's, there's been about three remakes of this, I believe. But the original one was still, to my mind, one of the best. Uh, and that is a film called Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've seen that one. I can't remember what year that was, but I shall look it up as we go. Wasn't it? Uh, I think it was Robert Donat that was the it main was, uh, yeah. It was 1939. Yeah. It was yeah, re- 39. There was a 69 version with Peter O'Toole. There was a 2002 version with Martin Clunes. Yeah, I've seen And there was all. a 1984 version with Roy Marsden. Well, I've not seen that at all. So there's, there is quite a few versions of that yeah. one. So definitely a good one. I mean, basically, it's, it's a guy that's um, a university lecturer, if you would. And it follows him from when he takes his post to... Basically, he's very old age and in passing away. So its I wouldn't say it's a feel-good at the end, but it's a really good film. Mm. So, yeah, definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, my father also got me up on um, all the old kind of cowboy films. Yes. Mm-hmm. So one that I've got to mention, because it's you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this to Stuart a while ago, but uh, I've got to mention it again. The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Yes, I watched this maybe a few months back, I think. It came up as one of the dice rolls in the book. I mean, some of the stars in that are phenomenal, and you don't expect them in the roles that they're in. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you've you've heard the song from, was it Gene Autry that did it? I think it was, yeah. Um, What have you, but, yeah, definitely one to watch. You know, you, it's a Jimmy Stewart in one role, John Wayne in another, and yep. of course Fear of my, Lee Marvin as the baddie, John Carradine, yep. Denver Pyle. Wow! And um, yep. there was a, a bit of a, a, a cameo by a certain Mister Van Cleef, wasn't there? 
Um, that I haven't seen yet, but if it's a cameo, it won't necessarily be on I think the he, old... He basically is one of the kind of... I think he's one of the supporting characters for the baddie. Right. So Okay. But yeah, so definitely, again, worth a watch. Um, coming on to a little more lighter... And, uh, this is one that has always been a favourite since I saw it as a kid. And um, it's a very odd one, but it's got to be worth watching. And another Jimmy Stewart. Uh, it's simply called Harvey. Yes, I've seen that one. Yep. Uh, basically, he's, he's a lovable character in this, but everyone thinks he's a bit loopy. <laughs> Why do they think he's loopy, Bob? His best friend is a six-foot-tall white rabbit. <laughs> no one else can see Harvey, the six foot tall white rabbit. Yep. Yeah, but Jimmy Stewart's character can. And this uh, literally, again, like I say, watch it because it, it's, it's light hearted. It's good family fun. You know, so you can watch it with kids. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. You know, then, then if, like I say, your kids start talking to six foot tall white rabbits, don't blame me. <laughs> no, <it's> not <laughs> and then we come on to. Um, probably, uh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go for number five. I won't do my best one. I'll do me do this bit like you did. So I'm going to go for a rather obvious one. In it's a wonderful life. Yes. And but, so just and just to clarify, Rob, you've never seen it's a wonderful life. No. Oh God, you got so many treats, wasn't he, Bob? <laughs> yeah. Again, it's another oh. Jimmy Stewart. That, that's. Yep. Well, I'm going on three here. Wow, I'm spotting a pattern. <laughs> Bob is now sponsored by the estate of Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. So, yeah, again, I don't think the needs... To, uh, most people listening to the podcast will have seen this, you know, or at least know of it. Um, if you haven't, you're sorry, you were living in the same period as Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, so we come on to my favourite... And this is where I get my own back on a certain Mr. Bannerman. Yeah, pretty much. I know exactly what this one is. Yep. My favourite is The Seven Samurai. Yes. Uh, nice one. You know, kind of, basically, it's the forerunner of The Magnificent Seven. It's what The Magnificent Seven was based on. Um, it's got several very good actors in Uh probably most of them you won't have heard of because they're all Japanese <laughs> but um, it, yeah basically it, take a cowboy film before it was a cowboy film do it in the samurai period and, you know you've basically got uh, the good guys defending a village against you know evil kind of bandits coming in um, seven seven of them and of course you know if you've ever watched Magnificent Seven you kind of know what the ending's going to be. Yeah. But it doesn't detract from it. You've got the whole build-up, you know. You can see, if you watch this, you can see where, you know, with The Magnificent Seven, a lot of the characterization comes from. You know, the, the character of Chris, you know, played you know, in the original by Yulbrin, wasn't it? Um, basically, the, you're immediately... You can see how he was developed from the character in Seven Samurai. Um, but yeah, the action in it, fan, fantastic. You know, definitely a case of must watch. Hint, hint. And and this is kind of, I, I'm going to jump on Rob's side now and go, yeah, this is where I'm with Rob and his earlier phrase is Seven Samurai, it's three hours. I've watched loads of films. I've watched 
two hours, two and a half hours of Grinch Hill today, for God's sake, so it's fine. <laughs> but Seven Samurais, three hours, subtitled and black and white. And it's the subtitled and black and white part that's that's held me off watching this film. I know that when I watch it, I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm just like, oh, I've got to be in the mood to watch a black and white three-hour subtitled mm. movie. So I, I'm, I'm going to start like, yes, Finally, you're on my side. And do you get the problem though on that film then? With because oh, so many filmmakers, and you know, if you you know you ever do the subtitles, Stuart, for me, me, make sure you. Uh, you, you don't go down the same route of, I know you know, where you're headed with you know yeah, yeah, you've got like a white screen, you've got white text mm. on the on the, on the the top of it, and it's like, what are you doing? I can't read this. There was a film that one of the, I can't remember which film it was, but it was one of the Netflix exclusives from this year, and that, that did that. So it'd be like, there'd be scenes on a beach, and there'd be white sand, and there'd be white subtitles at the Ooh. bottom, and I couldn't read it, so I'm yeah. like, forget it, I'm out. So we just switched off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I hate that. Why Why did they need to do that? I don't... <laughs> I don't get it. So now I'm right there with you. That's that's twice in 30 seconds of agreed with you, Rob. So and, and obviously that's, in that's a black and white film, you know, you've got black and white. So that's got to make subtitles more difficult, Bob. Yeah, it does. Nope. Nope. Does it not? I've watched this. Like I say, do it. Hmm? That is that is me throwing down the gauntlet, the challenge. Is it on Netflix? <laughs> no, it's not, I don't think. No, but, you know, next time I visit you, Rob, which will be soon, I will bring you the DVD. That sounds uh, good. But I've got it at my house to watch, but it's just, yeah. Bob and I have had this conversation where he's going to try and set down some time on a Wednesday night or whatever night is to, that's his film watching night. Yeah. I need to do that with stuff, some stuff going, right, I need to sit down and watch what I need to watch when I need to get it watched by. So we're uh, we're trying to get a bit more scheduled and yes, organized, a bit more organized. <laughs> so yeah, there are lots of good black and white films. I've got, yeah. and this is probably more one for Bob because you'll have said no to all of these, uh, Rob. But I'm going to go <laughs> very quickly down the list of films, Bob, and tell me which ones you've seen and which ones you haven't. Would you recommend them to Rob? Uh, Citizen Kane. Not seen it, but from what I've heard, it might bore him, but go for it. It is a must-watch. <laughs> I've never been able to get all the way through that film because it bores the life out of me. However, if you want to make your own film, watch that film because it's got some of the best camera work yes. I've ever seen. And so I can appreciate that much. That part, I think it was. It is. It's amazing. And but I, I don't like the film. Uh, Casablanca. Very good. Never seen that either. Uh, the Greek Dictator, which you've mentioned, I've not seen that one. The Philadelphia Story. I've not seen the black and white no. version. I didn't know there was a colour one. So I thought I've they'd redo that. that. Uh, not sure. Uh, the Third Man, which is the Orson Welles one. That is very, very good. No, I've not seen it, so I can't comment. The Grapes of Wrath. Very good. Yes. Double Indemnity. Ooh, no, that's a new one on me. Old, old, classic thriller one. Uh, um, so for some reason, I've written Citizen Kane down twice. I'm guessing they, yeah. they might have done a sequel. Uh, the original Scarface. Mm-hmm. Very good. I do prefer the Al Pacino one, though. Strangers on a Train. Yep. Which, now, Strangers on a Train, Rob, mm-hmm. have you ever seen Throw Mama from the Train? No, but I've seen Snakes on a Plane. Nothing like that. <laughs> Strangers on a Train is is two people who meet by chance, and one of them goes, how about you kill a person? that I want to bump off and I'll kill the person you want to bump off and the police will never connect us because we have no connection with each other that's where that comes from mm. so that's, and then throw mama from the train is the Billy Crystal Danny DeVito one where they decide to you know bump the mama 
off it's all in the title really and then the final black and white movie which I really want to watch because it's all set in Hollywood and you've got like Buster Keaton playing himself and so on is Sunset Boulevard yep which I have not seen but I do want to watch it but mm. some of the modern black and white films Schindler's List yep uh, you've never you've never seen Schindler's List I actually have you've seen a black I have. and white movie <laughs> uh, Clerks mm-hmm. nope never seen Clerks damn uh, The Artist nope and uh, maybe one of the Mimi films may come out in black and white, if not all of them. Who knows? I'm still undecided yet. I have seen possibly. as well, actually, thinking about it. Was it um, oh, was it Wolverine that they did as a, um, like Logan. a kind of... Uh, Logan. Uh, yeah, Logan is the, the, yes. kind of the film noir version. They did that, and they also did Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. as uh, a Bro. black and white version which is very clever to watch but I would still think you go, I've watched it I'll go back to the colour one day because it's better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. So there we go. I think what you need to do is turn down the colour settings on your TV and just watch Deep Space Nine, all of it in black and white. And that would be fantastic. Some things do, some things are better in black and white just if it needs that sort of atmosphere I think. Yeah. But uh, it's fascinating. So I let's have a look. I think well, Rob can pick the next topic. So I will need a number between two and fourteen. Pl- no, thirteen, please. Ooh, um, let's go with number ten. Number ten, and if if it's one we've already done, then you'll be picking another number. Number ten is. Ooh, top five music CDs you never get sick of listening to. <laughs> okay, and can right. we uh, clarify this? Can it also be, um, Could be soundtracks, soundtracks whatever. or something you've listened on the Amazon device? Yeah, of course it can. Yeah. If it's a music album. Exactly, that you don't what, necessarily own, format. but you still listen to it yeah. regularly. Yeah, you don't have to own it. That's fine. No, no, it's not. Yeah, not at all. I mean, Bob doesn't own any CDs now, because I think I've inherited a big <laughs> top of them. It was great. Anyway, Bob showed up, or spoke to, to Bob the other week, and he said, oh, I've got music CDs. I'm like, well, hope you're not chucking them out. Well, actually, I was going to. I'm like, don't you dare bring them all up here. So he shows up with this big tub of CDs. There's all sorts of wonderful goodness in there, like Tangerine Dream and Show Michelle's Jar and all this sort of stuff. And the weirdest one in there is the soundtrack to The Abyss. Mm. Very, it's, it, I love the soundtrack, but very out of place with a lot of Bob's <laughs> music. You had like a lot of Rush and Marillion and Alan Silvestri's soundtrack to The Abyss. So it was quite... That was good. So there was a wonderful little treasure trove of uh, of raiding Bob's music collection, mm. which is now my music collection. So, um, so there you go. So yeah, that's the topic for the next episode. Uh, what's ev- what's everybody up to for the rest of the week? Then, Bob, are you back to work? Back to work. I'm on an early shift. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, kind of getting home half four now because nice easier run back. Uh, so basically it's just going to be a case of even more playing hide and seek trying to get the house sorted uh, of course once I've got everything sorted Wednesday night is going to be uh, you know movie night watch something yes um, so yeah uh, next weekend I've got free it's my one free in, you know the one that I get free in four microwave shopping <laughs> <laughs> no probably waiting for Emily's new bed to be delivered for one thing Mm-hmm. That was meant to be this weekend, but I was delayed. thinking that it was supposed to be this weekend. Yeah. It got delayed. 
So, who's, deli- who's delivering it? Thomas Cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So that's basically me. I think most of this week. What about yourself, Rob? What are you up to? Uh, I'm back to work, but if I get any kind of uh, emergency call, I might be heading back to Stoke. So uh, I, I don't know. The things are up in the air. Um, so I'll just take it as it comes. So you said things are up in the air. I was about to go unlike Thomas Cook airplanes. Ooh. <laughs> but I could get away with saying that because we're supposed to be flying away with them in, in a couple of weeks and we may not be. So, you know, I, I'm all right. I can, I can ridicule them a little bit, but <laughs> we will probably find out tomorrow whether there is a company or not. So <laughs> <sighs> fun and games, but never mind. Hopefully everybody will be fine and they'll keep jobs. Um, but yeah, I think other than that, what am I up to this week? Not a right lot. I've done two podcasts today, so this one will go up in several days. So there's no massive rush for that one. Uh, thank you to Mark Savage for being cool. And uh, it's a very weird, having an hour-long conversation with Gripper Stepson. <laughs> very, very nice guy. We, we, we covered everything from uh, from stage plays to uh, Phil Redmond TV shows to Cat Litter. We, we mm. pretty much... Excellent. We... we, we we went. I nearly said we covered a whole range of topics, but that would perfectly fit in with a cat letter comment, wouldn't it? But <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking about all sorts, and uh, it was the first time he'd ever been on a podcast. But wow, he enjoyed himself. So, so you, he'll do another later. I think so. Yeah. Well, it was weird because it's like he, he popped on at the beginning. He went, "Hello, how are you?" And then it went silent. And I'm thinking. It normally takes people longer to realise they're not having fun. And they leave. <laughs> then he came back. It was just his microphone. It was being a bit of a bit of a dick. So, but I, so I posted that one earlier. Uh, thank you to everybody who donated to the Mimi campaign. I'm, I will not be running another one. It's done. I've got everything I need. I just need to uh, pick Bob's brains at some point about what video card to put in this little machine here, and <laughs> but I don't need to do that for a month. And. Uh, uh, I think the next event I've got coming up is the 4th of October, where I'll be Grimfest. hopefully going down to Grimfest to meet Pollyanna McIntosh. Woo-hoo. I have probably just made things even more complicated by getting the 6th of October off. So that will mean that I will start work on Thursday, work till 8 o'clock on Friday morning, get up, go to Manchester by bus, stay awake all Friday at Grimfest, do the interview with Pollyanna, watch Darling, and then go back to the hotel in Manchester, get up on Saturday morning, um, get back to work by 8 o'clock on Saturday night, work till Sunday morning at 7 o'clock, go on the bus to Manchester again, stay up all night and hopefully meet Jen and Sylvia Soska uh, and then watch their film and do a whole another day at Grimfest before <laughs> coming back to where I live to then go back to work at night to work till 7 in the morning on Tuesday and then I'm off on holiday for like you know two weeks because <laughs> I've got some time off so I am going to be dead I am going to be absolutely dead and I was originally getting two days off but then Annette said, well, you can't have the two days off. You can't have two days off and then cover two days. Because I'm like, why well, can't I cover two days? She went, well, because we're flying at 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning. I'm like, yeah, but I'm, I'm only working on Monday night. But I'll finish on Tuesday morning. <laughs> so I can't finish at 7 and then be at the airport at 7. It doesn't work. I'm not that good. So it's, I'm going to be bouncing backwards and forwards. But I think 
it was, I think it was me and you, weren't it, Bob? I had the conversation, so I was very lost and I was mad at myself because I'm missing all these events and this, that and the other. So if I'm going to be dead on my feet, so what? I don't care. If, you won't doing these, Exactly. I'm only, and this rate, it won't be for too much longer. <laughs> I'm only doing these and I need to do them. I've got to, I've got to, it's not often I'm going to be able to meet the Soska sisters. Exactly, yeah. So You'd I applied for yourself if you didn't. I know, and I'll be kicking myself awake where, when when I'm at work. But So that's my plan for that one. So there we go. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, I think. I shall let you guys go. We've run a little bit longer than normal. but oh, I was a bit later cool. than normal. <laughs> you were, but, you know, me and Rob were here on time, unlike Always. the microwave. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. But yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for episode 484. So there's only wow. 16 more of these and then it's number 500. Ooh. So should we just quit at 500 and go, I'm done now? No. I'm out of here. Nope. No, just carry on. <laughs> I might do a new theme song for 500. That's pretty much it. I'll do my bit of work for the year. <laughs> so uh, Rob, you, you do listen to music albums. You're not going to struggle too much for this. No, I I already have uh, at least two for my list, so uh, I'm uh, I'm roaring ahead. Brilliant. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, I shall speak to you throughout the week, the pair of you. But uh, well, thank you very much again, and uh, sleep well. You too. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you very much, gentlemen. Rest in peace, Nog. Yes. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.